Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Friday, December 15th, 2017. And today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page four of Bill's story, reading the first and second paragraph, beginning with abruptly in October 1929 and ending with this time we stayed broke. Today's readers are Reggie O. for the 12 Steps, Gail B. for the 12 Traditions, Kathy K., Jody E. Q., and Penny L. C. The reference number for the 10 a.m. meeting for yesterday, Thursday, December 14th, at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 10799. That's 10,799. The reference morning number for this morning, 7 a.m. meeting, Friday, December 15th, is 10803. That's 10,803. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Reggio to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Elaine, and good morning, everybody. This is Reggio, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. We admitted we were powerless over compulsive overeating, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Grateful to be of service this morning. Thank you very much, Reggie O. I'll now ask Gail B. to read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you, Elaine. This is Gail B., compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. 
The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, <clears throat> but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Gail P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page four of Bill's story, starting with the first paragraph, um, and reading through two paragraphs, beginning, and I, I will ask Kathy Kay to begin reading, please. Thank you, Elaine, for your service. Um, this is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. Abruptly, in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of those days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was 8 o'clock, five hours after the market closed. The tickler still clattered. I was staring at an inch of the tape which bore the inscription XYZ-32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished, and so were many friends. 
The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. My friends had dropped several millions since 10 o'clock. So what? Tomorrow was another day. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left and thought I'd better go to calendar. Go to Canada, sorry. By the following spring, we were living in our custom style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. No Saint Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend had to let me go. This time, we stayed broke. Wow. So we are here uh, in the middle of Bill's um, demise uh, to his bottom, there probably it goes through page eight, where each time he turns to drink, uh, it gets worse and worse. And he's describing a huge disaster here in the financial world, um, and is able not to feel his own vulnerability by going to the drink. Um, and that drink, as it says here, gave him the old, fierce determination to win. He was scornful of his friends and colleagues who were so frightened by what was happening and basically used drink to numb him from the realities of the situation. Of course, it says, you know, he went to Canada and all seemed great, but then again, um, his generous friend who made him an offer had to let him go. So this, while I have had not this kind of situation, I've had many situations in my life which felt like disasters to me. And um, uh, my response was always to go to the food, uh, to numb myself out, so they wouldn't feel the fear, the angst, um, the enormity of whatever situation I faced, because my self-sufficiency was certainly not enough to uh, tolerate and move beyond the immediate disaster. So just like with Bill, food was always something that gave me a renewed determination and a sense of self-reliance. Of course, it never worked. I ended up uh, doing harm to my body, having emotional hangovers, taking actions which really were more self-destructive than they were self-enhancing. And the cycle repeated itself over and over again. And this is what we see here. We're going to read going forward all the different events that Bill came to and uh, used drink to develop a sense of invulnerability to what was happening around him. I'm so grateful today uh, that as a result of working the 12 Steps, I rarely think about going to food to solve a problem. In fact, I've had some difficulties this week. Uh, my computer crashed and all kinds of upsetting kinds of uh, things happened in my world. 
And instead of going to the food, I went to God for direction and for soothing um, and for calm. And then I was able to discern the next right action for me. So that's what the 12 steps promises us. We don't have to do what Bill did over and over again. Uh, This is just one example, and we'll be reading more of them. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Who'd like to comment on these two paragraphs? Sylvia F. Sylvia? Anyone else? Um, Tally M, I believe it was? Okay. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Penny LC. Penny LC. Devorah S. Devorah S. One more. Okay, let's start with that. We have Rebecca F. Rebecca T. Okay, great. Yeah. So we have Sylvia F., Allie M., Kathleen O., Penny L.C., Devorah S., and Rebecca T. Please go ahead, Sylvia. Good morning, visionaries, and uh, thank you for your service to Elaine. This is Sylvia F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in San Francisco Bay. And this is chalk full paragraph, and I'm always amazed at how brilliantly uh, Bill gets the word choices here. So here he's describing someone that, you know, it's a major disaster in the United States. The financial institutions are just falling. And, uh, you know, he's going into it thinking that he's better and he's smarter and just totally living in fantasy. And so it says, after one of these days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. So he still thinks he's fine, but he's drunk, right? And so um, he, he walks over and he sees that people are, are jumping. And, um, and so this is a man with no compassion at all. It says, that disgusted me. I would not jump. So he, this is a man who's so self-absorbed and so lacking in compassion. He has no empathy, totally self. He says, I would not jump. Well, what would I do? I'd go back to the bar. I wouldn't solve anything. I'd just go back and I'd go drink. And, you know, this, this is a chapter totally about can we identify with um, Bill. And for me, I could not, um, when I first read it over without a recovered sponsor, I'm reading the book and going, wow, you know, that's terrible. And he's a drunk. But I didn't get that, you know, that was me. I was self-absorbed. I was not thinking about how other people were affected. I was thinking about how I was affected and how I was going to survive. And it didn't matter how big or how little it was. I mean, it was definitely uh, self. And then, you know, it's always um, tomorrow was another day. So I'm not going to even live in today's reality. I'm just going to go, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'll figure it out tomorrow. And then, you know, what does the food or the drink do as I drink? the old fierce determination to win came back. So it wasn't, you know, he was not doing God's work. He was living in an unreality and about tomorrow. And still, his friend, his buddy, he calls his buddy, and he gets to go to Canada where the economy's fine, and he's restored to his lifestyle 
but he could not hang on. He was a he was a, a drunk. He was a drinking, and he had to use his medication. And so, you know, he gets thrown out. And so, this is my story too. It's not, you know, involved with the the stock market crash, but it's it, would, it could have been faculty meetings, or it could have been some uh, disaster in our family, or something. Uh, and I just lived in an unreality, and I went to food to medicate and not be in today. And because of the 12 steps and uh, the promise, I don't have to live that way anymore, but it is so good for me to remember. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Allie M., you're up next, followed by Kathleen O. Thank you. Good morning. Um, this is Allie M. Recovered in Bellingham, Washington. Um, it's it's bizarre um, how well this paragraph describes uh, this section describes um, some real situations that happened to me. Um, but you know, I'm told when I um, read Bill's story or any part of the big book, I'm looking for the instructions, and um, I'm looking for um, being able to relate in, you know, did I think the way Bill thought? Um, And here I did. So um, just a few months after I came into OA, um, hell broke loose in my life. And um, so I I went through separation um, when uh, things were looking ugly for for my ex-husband and I. I totally checked out, and I had this thing that I could use, the food to check me out. Um, And one day when I came home um, after a big fight the night before, um, I got home after work, and the house was empty. He had taken all of our furniture. um, Really, mostly everything was his, but he had taken everything and left me with, you know, my clothes were piled on the floor, and I had a beanbag chair. Um, everything, the entire place was empty. And I laughed. Um, And I remember kind of thinking, oh, well, that was easy. You know, what a relief. Um, And so I just went on like that. And I lived in that house for several months after that with no furniture, nothing there, because I could just sit in my beanbag chair and eat. I was still in the food. Um, And then I started dating a guy who was really... um, really well off and he took me out to fancy restaurants and we went to all these places um, to eat food and that's what it was about and um, I I just I remember thinking um, why didn't I cry when he left um, why didn't I ever feel you know I almost felt bad like maybe I should be upset but I'm not sure why but I'm just not and um, and then I remember telling my you know friends uh, about this guy that I was seeing in these fancy places we were going to and all of this stuff and they were like wow that's amazing and I just couldn't feel that either I was like oh yeah it's fine it's not really anything um so I was completely numb and I didn't I was so far gone that I didn't even know that's what I was doing but I was numbing out my feelings I was not facing life I couldn't tell the truth from the false um so I can really relate to though here just that um the old fierce determination to win came back. You know, it was like, well, I'm alone now, but um, I'm going to find some way to get what I want. You know, that's what my disease does. And still, that's what my disease tries to do. Um, So every day, even though I now can see the truth from the false, um, the idea is to 
um, abandon that part of my um, mind that wants to take me through um, through a spree like this and being totally disconnected. So thank you so much for, for this reading. I'm so glad I can relate and uh, with that I pass. Thank you, Allie M. Kathleen O, you're up next, followed by Penny L.C. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for your service. Good morning. This is Kathleen O, recovered in Northern California. Great to be on the line with everyone. So, you know, this is just Bill's continuing his downward spiral and this crazy thinking that getting everything in order is going to fix the problem. And um, and I can, you know, in the ego, the self-centered, not being God-centered, um, you know, his inability to see the reality of his addiction. And, um, you know, I can totally relate to that. I, you know, Bill, Bill went, went to the bar. His answer was to go to the bar. My answer was to go to the food. And that was always my solution, just go to the food. And, and I was totally delusional and, and in denial. And, you know, I would hide the consequences of my, um, my compulsive overeating with, you know, bigger clothes. Um, so I didn't have to see what was happening or I could be in denial about it. Um, and then, and I was always trying to figure it out, figure it all out. You know, I was relying on myself and I tell you, I made more bad decisions, um, when I was in the disease and, you know, that, that not regretting the past or closing the door on it. When, when I read about him in the stock market, I always think of myself and this, um, horrible decision I made um, because I was in the disease and I was self-centered and selfish and it, I'm not, I won't go into the long story, but bottom line is I sold $10,000 worth of Amazon stock when it was a small book company. And um, that's a real hard one to let go of. <laughs> but you know, today the good news is, and, and I, I never would have done that if, if I had been in recovery and there's a lot of other bad decisions I wouldn't have, have made if I was in recovery. But today I'm grateful I am in recovery. And, you know, instead of going to the food, I go to, I go to a God. You know, I go to my higher power. I work these steps. I stay connected with all of you guys. And, um, and, and, and because of that, you know, I, I don't have a desire to eat the foods that I used to binge on. I just, they just don't have, I have, I'm totally neutral around them and that's a miracle. But the other miracle is, I don't need to be out there fighting everyone and everything and trying to figure it all out on myself. I can rely on my higher power. I can just, you know, let um, live on life's terms, as as they say. And 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 it's just so much nicer. And um, and I don't make I don't make horrible decisions like I used to. Personal, whatever. Um, so thank you. Have a great day, everyone. And I pass. Thank you, Penny L.C. Devorah S. You're up next, followed by Rebecca E. Excuse me, Elaine. This is Penny yes. LC and Kathleen. Oh, yes. No, Devorah, I am so sorry. Penny LC is up next, followed by Devorah. I'm so sorry, Devorah. Please go ahead, Penny. Thank you, Elaine, and good morning. Thank and thank you for your service. Good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny LC, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. What I could relate to here, um, identifying in with what yet again, um, a physical, you know, change to solve the problem. I, um, 
you know, Bill escapes from the United States and, and all the destruction behind him and heads off to an, another place to find his his solution to his money problem. And um, I would head off to another place to find the solution to my living problems, my problems with food. It would be a new diet or it would be the fact that I, I was having trouble with relationships. So I would pack up and move, physically move. I lived in um, four states in five years at one point in my life, escaping what, leaving behind, just always being sure that the next move would be the solution for me. And yet the problem was, is I took myself with me and all of my troubles followed me. Not unlike Bill, when he heads off to Canada, but still ends up uh, drunk. Um, I headed off location, and I ended up in the food again. I headed off to a new diet, and I ended up crashing into the food again, only to try to escape reality um, and not being able to face it. Today, thanks to this program and, and my recovery and my higher power, I don't have to escape any longer. I don't have to seek out the unseekable. I can turn to God and find the answers. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Penny Elsie. Devorah S., you're up now, and Rebecca E. will follow you. Hi. Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Devorah S. Thank you, Elaine, for your service and everyone on the line. This is a real treat for me to be on this meeting. I'm usually working. I'm off today, so it's really nice to be here. And um, anyway, this paragraph I really relate to, and I'm relating to everyone share as well. Um, you know, I'm... So many things in my so there was, there was so many many times in my in my life in my uh, experience in my you know living um, that I was numb that I wasn't really there available and I really and I was living in denial um, you know and I could start with my father passed away I was a young I was a young girl and you know I didn't really feel in fact you know I, I ate that's you know food came into the house during that uh, that morning period and. And, um, and I consumed myself in, in food and, you know, and then I thought, you know, and the, the, you know, the full fierce determination came back, you know, of course I was going to go on some kind of diet. Of course I was going to lose the weight because that's what I always did. You know, I ate, I binged, and then I was determined again to, to start all over again. And, and fast forward to many years later where I, I did get married and uh, my husband and I lost a child. It was a tragic situation here. And, and, um, you know, I had just lost a lot of weight on a commercial uh, program diet. And, um, and then my baby died. And I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't learn. I didn't have the tools, you know, to deal with. I didn't have the 12 steps. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, all roads always left led to food. So I put all that weight back on and, and, and more. And, um, again, you know, I couldn't feel my feelings. So back to the bar again. And, you know, really grateful that, um, you know, my MO has changed. You know, I need to keep 
constant contact with God throughout the day. I have to rely on my higher power. I have to know that, you know, God has a plan for me and I'm, I'm not the planner. I just follow it. And just to, and just to, to live life accordingly to how God wants me to be. And, and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to rearrange things and I don't have to, certainly don't have to eat over it. Um, what a miracle that is today. Um, you know, and I have to do it diligently every single day because um, I have a disease that tells me it's okay. You know, once in a while you can take a reprieve. You can sweat up because after all, it's been so many years that you've been doing this and you're in a thin body today, so what's going to happen? And I did experience that a, a few months ago, a couple of months ago, where I thought that it's, you know, my mind told me it was okay and I engaged in unabstinent behavior and you know, I, it was a real wake-up call to me that I needed to really change something, and 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 I had to have, and I did have a new experience. So that really um, was a good reminder. It whipped me into shape today, um, and every day, you know, that I have to keep diligent. Um, Central reminder. Um, thank you. So I am just really, really grateful. You know, today I could feel the feelings, and I don't have to live in denial. I certainly don't have to go back to the food, and I have to keep God in my forefront. And um, and with that, I'll pass, and I thank you all. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Devorah S. Rebecca E., you're up next, please. Oh, thank you. This is Rebecca P., as in Peter, <laughs> and uh, I am thank a compulsive you. overeater. <laughs> and um, this paragraph, the first time I read it, I uh, I I thought, you know, this is actually. Um, I thought my pro. I for a long time I thought my problem. I didn't know my problem was food. I thought my problem was depression and suicidal depression, and um, I uh, I thought food was the remedy for it, and. Uh, the solution, and it seems like alcohol is. It seems on first reading this paragraph that alcohol actually saved Bill's life because he wasn't going to, because it kept him from killing himself like all those people in Wall Street who were jumping out of the windows. But we see later on in the book, um, we haven't gotten to it yet, but. Uh, it actually drove him to suicide later on as the downward spiral got worse and worse. And it reminds me of my life. I thought the suicidal depression was my problem. And uh, a lot of times when I got in my car and started driving, I didn't know where I was driving, just driving to get away from whatever problem I I couldn't handle. Um, I um, I always said, well, before I do myself in, I am going to get a beautiful meal at such and such a restaurant with all the trimmings and all the things and all the fat and the cholesterol that I didn't care about because this is going to be my last meal. And uh, I would spend my last money on that. And I would numb myself out with food. And I would just enjoy my last meal. And, of course, after I ate, um, 
it it gave me a feeling of comfort and ease and I felt that I could handle my problem after all. So I looked at food as the solution, not the problem. Um, when the suicidal depression was um, was did come under the control for me, that's when the overeating problem revealed itself to be the main reason why I was getting into those depressions in the first place. Because I was, instead of facing my problems and dealing with them, I was going to the food, and of course my problems, instead of going away, they got worse. And uh, and they usually got to such a point where I couldn't handle them anymore. And instead of solving, thank you. Instead of solving the problem, I uh, turned to the food. So I, I want to say that um, you know I have finally had to face the truth about myself and realize that food was my problem, after all. And not only was food the problem, but the spiritual condition of having to run to the food was the problem. So um, that was my first step. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I took so long. I'll pay. Oh, that's, that's okay, Rebecca P. Thank you very much for sharing. So we're commenting today on um, page four, Bill's story. The first two paragraphs on that page, starting with abruptly in October 1929 and ending with this time we stayed broke. Who would like to Leia comment S. on those two paragraphs? Leah S. I'm so Jeff sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> That's okay. Who else? Joanne B. Joanne B. Esther C. Esther C. We have time for two more. Marge N. Marge S. And one more. Well, let's go with this and then see where we end up. We've got Leah S. followed by Joanne B., Esther C., and Marge N. Please go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Elaine. <clears throat> it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. I'm Leah S., a recovered compulsive overreader from Brooklyn, New York. And um, I'd like to ask myself, and um, I'd like to ask it out loud, what does the word perfect mean? What does it mean? In my dictionary, there is no such word as perfect. We all strive for perfection, but we, we try to do as much as we are able, as I am able to, to do for myself. In becoming abstinent, in finally facing reality that I am a compulsive overeater, when I had bought uh, some stuff for, for, for my husband and my son, and all they did was take one bite and put it right back on that table, it reminded me, oh my goodness, they're going back to the chess game, and I'm also playing the chess game, but my, I'm eyeing, I can't believe, is this for real? Are they putting all that stuff down until... Something in my head said, Leah, you are a compulsive overeater. 
And so I did the next right thing, and I threw it out in the incinerator. But what does perfection mean? Perfection does is is not an existent in my dictionary. Perfecting myself each and every day is is something else. So the fear for me to become abstinent was, what do you want me to be, an angel? I'm not an angel. I try every single day through the grace of God, through the grace of God, to to be who I am. And with that power, I am abstinent. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you very much, Leah S. Joanne B., you're up next, followed by Esther C. Hello, this is Joanne B., and I'm um, living one day at a time, closer and closer to true recovery. Um, And it's because of all the things that I hear on this phone line and on the podcast. Um, I know for, I've been in the program now for, I guess, seven months. And if it wasn't for the, my fellows and their stories, I wouldn't have made it because um, I don't, so often I haven't been able to identify in, but I've, but not in a lot of things. So I identify in this little bit of places and I hold on to everything that my fellows have said to learn from them until it's my story. And um, with listening to all of you today, and I often think, I didn't do that with food. I didn't do this with food. But I had, I didn't realize until just recently that the sleep that I went into is a food behavior. And that was how I escaped. And I would eat, then I would sleep because I was depressed because I ate, and then I would I would gain weight, so then I would eat, then I would sleep. And I didn't have all the, uh, because of some other mindsets, I didn't go out and spend a lot of money or um, just different things. Um, but when I do start to remember, as my mind becomes clearer, I'm starting to see myself, yes, I really do do that, but it was so far between and um probably not as much as I really think because I was like 70 pounds overweight. And when I came into this program, I absolutely did not believe I would ever lose weight, so I didn't come for that. I came because I was so self-centered, so stuck in this this uh, this uh, cycle of destruction. And because of holding on to my fellows, uh, stories and their uh, their suggestions and their wisdom. I have seen my higher power work in my life, and not only that, but He's given me a blessing where I've shed 50 pounds, and it's just amazing. I keep looking in the mirror, thinking, "Who in the world is that girl?" And just thank uh, my higher power for for doing something for me that I couldn't do, and I. I hold on still to what you all say because I wanted I want to um really be able to identify so that I can have um uh that I know that I know um and so that uh, but right now all I do is one day at a time and I know that's my the rest of my life 
And I thank you all so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Joanne B. Esther C., you're up next, followed by Marge M. Good morning. My name is Esther C., a recovered compulsive reader in Canada. <laughs> Excuse me. I want to speak to the unmanageability that's starting to show in Bill's life because it's clear to me that he's very talented, intelligent, and capable individual. He's got a loving wife. He's got, uh, you know, plenty of family that's supportive, and yet he can't seem to make a go of his life. And I remember that very clearly. I mean, I knew why. It took me a while to realize the unmanageability of my own life. I I knew why I was fat. I was fat because I ate too much, and I certainly suffered a lot trying to lose weight and always um, experiencing many numerous failed attempts. But I said to myself, I'm, I'm not an Olympic athlete where it makes a difference how much I weigh. Like, even if I'm fat and even if I couldn't lose weight, I have nothing else in my life was working. Things that you wouldn't think are connected to food, like relationships and how I was raising my children, um, being able to work or not being able to work or, my, you know, pursuing education. I thought, what does any of that have to do with my weight? And until I realized that there was a connection between my inability to control my food and the unmanageability of my life, I wasn't really ready to embark on a program of recovery. So just um, just being powerless, knowing that I'm powerless over food wasn't enough. Just knowing that I was, you know, had a problem with eating and I couldn't stop wasn't enough for me. And in, and in those days, uh, I did step into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and it wasn't, you know, I didn't stay because I didn't hear anything that spoke to me. I guess it took another decade or two until my life really became unmanageable, until everything in my life wasn't working, similar to way to the way uh, Bill's, we're going to be reading further on as well, that's what's happening to Bill. It wasn't until I really, really hit that edge where I said, oh, okay, some, something here is not working and I'm ready to do what I have to do. And that's when I came to Overeaters, Anon- Overeaters Anonymous and I stayed. And I consider myself very lucky that I had um, sunk to um, a very uh, low bottom because I'm not so sure that if my life had had not been so unmanageable and so uh, ruined by my own hands that I would have uh, been willing to uh, to listen to you know the, the what those on the line, including my sponsor, were telling me. It was only um, I was only able to humble myself at that point because I could see that every aspect of my life was uh, affected and destroyed by the food. And <clears throat> this is something that uh, that I read every time when I read Bill's story, just like thinking to myself, this guy has so much in him. Like I felt I had so much in me. There was so much I could do. I had, you know, grown up, I guess, in a, in a pr- privileged way and in a thriving time, you know, times that we live in and yet could not seem to do anything and it was when I came to Overdesignums that I realized that my problem isn't that I have an eating problem my problem is that I have a living problem and because I don't know how to live that's why I was eating and that was really the um, the stepping stone to further recovery and to willingness to do everything I had to do to recover and with that I'll pass thank you thank you Esther C we're going to have time for a couple shares after Marjen. So particularly if you haven't shared before, we'd love to hear from you. You can think about coming in. But first we'll hear from Marjen. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Marjen, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oregon. And um, when I first read this, these two paragraphs this morning, I thought, oh, I don't identify with it. But 
great, thankfully, God reminded me that I can. Um, yesterday, I was in a really sad place. I was just feeling helpless and hopeless with all that's going on in our country, things that are being taken away from us or possibly taken away from us. And I thought, what am I doing wrong with working my program? Why am I feeling this? Well, after turning to God, making an outreach call, doing some writing, I realized that I'm feeling this because I'm not eating. The food isn't taking the pain away. And so I've had the opportunity to turn to people in program who are recovered, who help me see things in a way I can't see them, and um, turn to God to give me the strength to lean into the discomfort and to know that these feelings last forever. They eventually will pass. And so I'm just grateful for that aha moment and to realize that even though I am recovered, I still turn to self. You know, what am I going to lose? What am I not going to um, experience, et cetera? And so I'm just grateful that God gave this opportunity for me to realize this and then to be able to share my experience, strength, and hope with others and with that, I will pass. Thank you very much, Marge Ann. So we have time for about two two-minute shares. And um, who would like to comment on what was read? Myra W. Ooh, I'm sorry, I didn't get either name. Sherry KB. Sherry and Myra, KB. And Myra and, W. And Myra W. Okay, great. If you can both keep it to two minutes, we'll have plenty of time, maybe two and a half minutes. Thank you. Please go ahead, Sherry KB. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, so I'll just get to the point of this. Um, Bill's progression here um, is is just um, a setup of what reminds me of my own progression. Um, very self-centered, not God-centered. Um, you know, he he was watching people dump to their deaths, hearing about it, but he was at the bar and getting liquid courage. And <clears throat> when things were going on in my life, I, I acted like I was dealing with stuff, but what I was really doing was waiting to go try to get the food so I could numb out and not feel those feelings because they were overpowering and scary. And so the my, the unmanageability in my life was unbelievable. And um, I know today that if I live a God-centered life in these steps, um, I will stay abstinent. If I don't, I'll be face down in the food and blame everybody and everything around me <clears throat> and think <clears throat> what's wrong with them. And, um, you know, I'm just fine. Thank you very much because, I've, you know, I've, I used food courage to deal with my life. And I don't do that anymore, and I'm very grateful. And I try to stay God-centered every day, one day at a time. With that, I pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Sherry KB. Mira W., Hi, everybody. Um, Myra Compulsory Eater, and um, this is my first time sharing on um, Vision Meeting. And uh, just real quickly, you know, it just reminds me for myself the unmanageability and how much, you know, um, I I don't do well living life on life's terms. And um, I'm wondering why am I so miserable and I'm in and out of the food, in and out, in and out. And um, 
I get a couple days and I do well or I get a couple months and I do well and then I go back, you know. And it's just a testimony for me that I guess, you know, listening to people share. And even though in, I've been around the room for a long time and I know this to be true, is I'm still trying to run the show, you know. I'm not turning my will over to God. And, um, and, and no wonder, you know, I'm, you know, in the food. Um, and then I turn up, then I end up getting frustrated with myself and mad at myself and ask myself, what do you, what, you know, why am I doing this? What am I not doing right? Well, one, you know, um, I got in the food last night and I have the tools. I didn't pick up the phone. I didn't, I didn't ask God for help. Um, I just took it upon myself just to go into the kitchen and, you know, do what I do, you know, eat, you know, and now today I'm sitting here, um, just kind of like on the pity pot, which definitely doesn't help at all, you know. So I told myself, you need to stop that and get on a meeting. And so I'm grateful that I got on the meeting today. And I just need to continue to keep coming back, you know, and showing up and listening. Um, and so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Myra. And really appreciate your share and hope that you keep coming back. We still do have just a minute if anybody would like to just share a final thought. And I will share one final thought. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back again. And I too face that, you know, fierce determination over and over and over again. I'm going to win this battle against the food. And you know what? I can do it one day at a time. So can every single person on this line listening to the recording, if they pick up the spiritual toolkit and work it every day, like their life depended on it. And thank you, everybody who has shared today. We're going to transition the meeting now by reading the big book on page 184, followed by the serenity prayer. Would Jody EQ please read a vision for you? Uh, Absolutely. Good morning and Everyone, this is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovered in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and join us. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. 